Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast, brought to you from the studios of CBS Interactive. I'm Tim Burrows. Joining me as usual, Mumbrella Deputy Editor Camille Alacon. Hello. And Scott Rohde of PR Agency House Party. Hi, Tim. Today. Communications Minister Stephen Conroy goes nuclear on Google and Facebook. The love story of the iPad and the Australian newspaper. And why we won't be seeing the ABC's iView app on the iPad until later this year. In TV, we look at this week's ratings, another reality TV show. This time it's about parking inspectors. And the Gruen transfer back on air next month. And still with TV, Foxtel, the first out of the starting blocks for 3D TV. But who was actually watching? And say hello to Google TV. It's World Cup fever, and we look at a Nike ad that's had 6 million views on YouTube in just one week. And we reveal the winner of April's Mumbrella Ad of the Month competition. Now this week we saw Communications Minister Stephen Conroy launch quite a comprehensive attack, I would say, on both Google and Facebook. He called Google a bunch of hypocrites and criticised Facebook for what he says is its complete disregard for users' privacy. Tim, what actually prompted this attack? Yeah, this was very strange. Now, this is one that I, 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 I took one for the team, and I mean the internet generally here, in that I ploughed through 131 pages of the transcript of um, the Senate estimates hearing, which took place on Monday, to, uh, to get to the good stuff, which, of course, was in the final four pages, well, as always, it is, yeah. always is in these things. Um, but you, you draw a lot of conclusions about Stephen Conroy when you read about his performance. So this was him being questioned about all sorts of aspects of his portfolio mm. over the um, over the whole day. But the really juicy stuff came right at the very end when he just went into a massive rant about Google and Facebook. But the thing that didn't necessarily come across in the early coverage of it um, was this was obviously pre-planned because he was quoting loads of stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't a sort of off-the-cuff, you know, ministers, you know, a bit of a bad temper, says something about privacy. Good si- sound bite. It was yeah. more than that. It was, it was planned. Yeah. You know, he went up with studs showing, so he kind of used all of this information that he says suggests that um, Google um, are hypocritical in complaining about the filter, for instance. They're sort of saying, you know, on the one hand, they've got fairly arbitrary policies for YouTube, yet they're calling for openness for the government. Some people, and you know, even when he was being questioned, people were saying, well, are you sure that you can compare government to um, a private corporation? Um, the two things are quite different. Um, so, yeah, so we, um, anyway, he, the, 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 um, the key question was... Um, what would you put, and this is what he said, what would you prefer, a corporate giant who's answerable to no one and motivated solely by profit making the rules of the internet or a democratically elected government with all the checks and balances in place? Well, the problem right there is that although they're democratically elected, he's gone off in this campaign on his own without MD actually having a vote on it when it boils down to it. And this is my personal opinion, but I think he's a complete loon. Well, we, we, we asked the internet what they thought of it. So we, we yeah. created a poll, asked the question, who do you want to look after the internet? Either A, a corporate giant answerable to no one and motivated solely by profit making the rules, or B, Stephen Conroy. 93% of people went for A. To be honest, the internet seemed to survive quite well being this kind of free area that everybody does, you know, 
what they want. But he just, he's even admitted that the filter doesn't work. He's admitted that there's problems with the filter, that people can get easily around the filter. When it boils down to it, you know, he's creating a censorship that only what China and Iraq have in the world at the moment, pretty much. Yeah, I suppose one of the, one of the things that did, um, I, I guess, occur to me as I was reading through the transcript is... This attack on Google and Facebook, it, you know, doesn't really take away or add to the arguments around the filter. But at the same time, he, you know, he does point out that there are uh, big privacy issues with with both of them. You know, absolutely. It, and it, even this week, like comparison. But do you know what? I don't. We everybody knows that. We all know that there's privacy problems. Mm-hmm. You know, Facebook came out today with their statement. Yes, it's worth pointing out. Literally, as we we're, we're recording this podcast in the last couple of hours beforehand, Facebook have changed their, their yeah, settings. Yeah. But when it boils down to it, he's the he's in the government, you know, he should be listening to the people and the voice of the people at the moment states, We don't want this damned filter. And he's just putting his fingers in his ears and then attacking anybody that attack, that even suggests to him that uh, the filter's wrong. And that's where I have an issue with it. So I think he should just grab him and say, Look, stop it. Switch it off. Stop looking like an idiot. What about his um, his argument, playing a bit devil's advocate because no one in this room appears to agree with him, when he says that um, 97% of every internet user in the UK goes through a filter similar to the one they're discussing? Is what he's, uh, yeah, what that he was said. new. That's that what he was, said. Yes, I, I saw that quote from him. <laughs> yeah. he, did say, he did say, though, we have a slightly broader content classification. But, yeah. Now, so in what the UK, does that slightly broader mean? Yeah, in the UK, it's actually very different. That's just... It's not even a filter per se in the UK, because um, ISPs have their own thing. I and mean, Europe's trying to introduce a kind of—I know they're trying to introduce a three strikes in your out policy with the movie companies and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and the problem is the UK situation at the moment is that um, one of the ministers, one of, not even one of the ministers, David uh, Mandelson, uh, what's his first name again? Peter. Peter Mandelson, who's a House of the Lords representative, not even elected, mm. had private meetings with, allegedly had private meetings with David Geffen, one of the um, um, uh, um, record producers and movie producers, and a secret deal was allegedly set up whereby he got involved and has set up these new policies for the British government, which... Even an unelected situation, which is even worse. And these are policies around file sh- illegal file yeah, sharing. Yeah, illegal file sharing and all that kind of stuff, which is some of the reason that the pressure that obviously um, Conroy has on him as well from the Hollywood uh, and that kind of thing. Right. They're saying, you know, the, we want these filters in place also. The filter, though, that doesn't, uh, as it's proposed, doesn't include file sharing. It though. doesn't. And people can just use a pr- something like iPredator, which is a, you know, a VPN that allows you to bypass any filter. VPN, virtual private network. network. Yeah. So what does that do? Um, it allows you to kind of um, scoot through and set up. You basically do a connection to a, a server outside of Australia. Then it, from there you can access anything you want. Uh, it's, iPredator was the, the program created by the guys that made the Pirate Bay, who you know have been attacked a lot for that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, I do recommend the Stephen Conroy transcript. We've we've broken out various not, bits. Not all. No, not all of it. Yes. Evening, evening reading. Yes. Yes. We've, bed, we've broken out the good bits, and you can find it at mumbrella.com.au. Now, in case you haven't heard, the iPad is finally making its debut in Australia. Literally, as you'll be hearing this podcast, the first people who've bought it in Australia will have it in their hands and very excited they'll be. But nobody is quite as excited as the Australian newspaper is. Um, In just the last couple of months, it's published dozens of stories about the iPad. We wrapped up some of them this week. Mm. Camille, why why do you reckon the Oz is getting so excited? It's it's probably got very little to do with the fact that they're launching their very own iPad iPad app 
probably very little to do with the fact that Rupert Murdoch, its owner, has proclaimed it may well be the saving of the newspaper industry. So none of those points. It's just because it's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, and it, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's it's it, it's got to the the crunch now when it comes to paid content over in the UK. The paywall um is teetering now. In fact, it may even have gone up in. By the time we've, uh, by, the, by the time people are listening to this, so we'll we'll know quite soon whether people are actually paying to look at the Times and the Sunday Times online. Tell quite impressed. You said debut as well. Thanks what, for that. What, what what would you have preferred? Well, no, I just, just no. I'm just so used to the Australian sports commentator saying debut yeah. drives me nuts. Anyway, the uh, iPad. Will you be Will you be getting yourself one? I will be getting myself one. I don't think I'll, I'll stand the queue. If, well, the queue's there at the moment. I don't really think I'll go in the queue 24 hours beforehand. Um, but yeah, I'll be picking one up probably next month. Um, and what will you do with it? How do you think you will use it? Um, I, I'll be using it um, when I'm travelling. Um, I'll be using it around the house probably. Um, just sitting on the sofa. I think that's, it's the ultimate sofa toy, I think. Um, but I also want to use it for presentations because um, I use Pages and Keynote, which is Mac's version of Word and um, PowerPoint. So I use them for presentations. So I want to be able to... And you, you, got, you can download the apps as well. So you'll be able to build your own presentations, which is really useful. And the future of newspapers? They'll probably be on the iPad. <laughs> so Murdoch's right. Well, to be honest, they won't. They'll still. Be, they'll probably be e-ink or something like that down the line, where people just have a slight piece of paper. That's but ink. I guess speaking speaking of apps, iPad apps. It seems the fallout between Apple and Steve Jobs and Adobe seems to have had a bit of a flow-on effect on the ABC. So its popular catch-up TV service iView apparently isn't going to. They're not going to launch an iPad app version of it for another couple of months. That's because it's a flash-based service, is it not? Mm. Exactly that, yeah. yeah. So this this also came out of the, um, the, the the Senate Estimates hearing because Mark Scott from the ABC was also speaking. And yeah, it, it emerged that for the last couple of months they've been building the iView player in a flash-based platform. What? Um, Why? For, for the iPad, because of course at that stage they didn't know that Apple wouldn't wouldn't support well, no, it. Everybody knew Apple have always stated they wouldn't be supporting Flash. That's just a bunch of numpties not listening. Seriously, what, what a waste of taxpayers' money there. Everybody knew that Jobs had an issue with Flash. He went on for the last three years about battery life. He went on about the problems it caused with the browser. Everybody knows that he was going to have HTML5, and I'm sorry, but that's not an excuse saying that we thought Flash might be coming out on it. Sorry, that, that's, I'm just ranting because the original, when they unveiled the iPad, they even showed it with the little logo and him, Steve Jobs said, I want a flash. I mean, come on. Start listening, people. You, sh- you should have been their consultant, Scott. No, I just think they should listen. It's not that hard. Mm. On to TV ratings. Camille, still all about MasterChef? It is. It is in a sense that it's, it consistently wins the, the three main advertiser-friendly demographics, so 16 and 39s, 18 to 49s, 25 to 54s. But if you, if you break it out in terms of the main metro markets, and this is live overnight viewing, it's, it's probably it's number one consistently in Melbourne, but in the other markets, not so much. So Sydney Channel um, 7 News is quite popular, and in other states as well, other capital cities, we've got 9 News. It's been interesting looking at the breakdown in the, the, the different states over a couple of programmes, isn't it? It was the same with, um, what was it we were talking about in the office? Was it Underbelly that is actually uh, most popular in Sydney, a bit less popular in Melbourne and, and in, in the other major cities, again, a bit less popular again, I think sort of down in sixth place or something like that when we were, uh, when we were looking at those. Yeah. Um, now, the, 
I suppose the other thing, I'm, I'm going to take issue with you slightly on one of the stories that you wrote this week, which was Dick of Dusk. Dick of Dusk. Well, we, we had Survivor you, you, limping to the finale. You couldn't, um, you couldn't just bring it up as I was writing it or just as I published it? No, no, it was only when somebody else commented on it in the comment stream, and I thought they're right. Um, now, um, Survivor on so paper didn't do terribly well. No, no, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the voice of the reader. I'm the reader's advocate in the room. Right. Um, so uh, they, it finished with a bit under 1.1 million for the... Um, Finale of um, Survivor, um, which which was a thirteenth for the night, but I'd, I'd maybe make the argument, and uh, as our reader made the argument, for something that was on air for about three hours, that's a pretty good average across the whole night. Okay, I don't. We don't usually look at three hour length shows. Usually, um, one or two hours, such as the Pacific, we do see a dropout, a fallout. But maybe there's a good point. But again. I couldn't say that that's correct or not. What, well, what I, would I, you say, Tim? I put it to you that um, nine won the night that night. Well, it did. It did brief. It did win the night by just a fraction. They won. They got twenty six point seven percent. Seven got twenty six point one. So it wasn't by far and away the the winner for the night. Still with TV though, so I Scott, you were going to. No, I'm just yeah. laughing at you both. It's much easier for me just to sit here and mock you both. <laughs> well, please do, but I will get your view on this next one. Um, factual reality TV, docudramas, docu soaps, whatever we want to call I it. I rant last week. You want another one this week? Yeah, we'll, we'll have another one. So we've had fly on the wall shows about lifesavers, obviously, Bondi Rescue and the various spin offs. Lots of police ones. Police Dogs has been a recent one. Um, and now we have Parking Rangers. Parking Rangers, yeah. Apparently, Channel 9 is producing a new reality, factual reality TV show, speaking to councils around the country to create a show about parking officers and council rangers and showing the very human, taking a human approach to what these rangers had to deal with on a day-to-day basis, such as giving fines. And And the working title is The Enforcers, apparently. That's apparently one of the working titles, but it hasn't really been, um, it's still to be confirmed. And I think Seven's planning on doing a similar show as well. So another Me Too. Um, Scott, how do you you feel about parking inspectors? Let's just a general consensus in the room here. Tim... Parking, parking Rangers, yes or no? Um, as a programme? Yes. I would point to a programme in the UK that I still remember, although it was probably more than a decade ago, called The Clampers. Yep, I remember and it. And it was, it was compelling viewing, mainly because there were people being baddies, you know, yeah. enjoying putting parking, ticket, parking tickets on cars, you know, being the bad guys. And that almost, you know, that was what made it such compelling viewing, was the fact that it was, you know, su- yeah, but- such a sort of dramatic... You know, it, it was what it, it was how many, pantomime. How, how many times have you seen somebody get a parking ticket and then exploding at someone? How many times have you seen it in the street? I'll tell you, if you have a look on YouTube, there's some great clips of there people doing precisely is, that. But, I mean, is that what we really want? Yes. Te- te- that type of television we really want people to watch? Aye. Well, well, I mean, television was, that was originally created to entertain and, 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 and educate, but, I mean, this level of... This is one of those oh. things, though, so much is how it's made. Absolutely, because, and... It, but, because again, oh, there was a documentary. It's just me getting. It's me. Look, I'm yeah. going to do my rant again. Okay, well, I'm going to defend another. Doc- there was another documentary in 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 the UK more recently. This isn't a documentary was, though. This well, is a documentary it's drama. Not, it's it's not anyway, there was a fly on the wall documentary in the UK, which which very much told the story from the point of view of uh, traffic wardens, yeah. or rangers, as we call them here. Look, we know that very tough, much. Look, but this, what this program did was it made it clear what a tough job they do, how badly the public treat them, and it. It gave a little insight into the world, and that's the thing. But we no, don't know yet but how the no program point, will be. Everybody knows 
that parking rangers get a lot of abuse. Everybody knows that because every one of us has got to that, ran to the car for that last minute, saw them get the ticket and lost it because we're having a bad day. You know what? Other people get abused too, but we, I'm just sick of this. But can't you say find something that let's find, Can't you I, say I, oh. though? Everybody knows that lifesavers save people's life at Bondi. Yeah, yeah it's a popular not program. program and enjoyed it yet. It's a popular program. Exactly, it has more. rated very well. So oh. you know, not everyone is in your agrees with my you. moron category. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, you know, I was, <laughs> I, I was listening back to this, and you, you've had a week to think about it. I put to you last week, you've got two hours of schedule on a Wednesday night to yeah. fill. What are you going to do with the show? Yeah, last week, your answer was, I'd have a look in America and see what <laughs> they had. Tim, I've been working so hard this week, I don't have time to think about your little two-hour scheduling slot. When you start paying me for it, I'll come up working, with stuff. Working so hard in the pub. Now, what do you think of this, Scott? The Gruen transfer is returning next month. Um, cool. For all those quite good. Quite good. You yeah, like that? Yeah. Take approval from Scott. Yeah. Everyone watch it. Scott loves it. There you go. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, big thumbs up for me for the good transfer as well. I guess the big yeah. question is. Stick out your pipe and smoke third, third series. Are there enough topics for them to carry Stick on talking about? Oh, Will you please stay focused, people? So Gruen transfer third series. Mm. To me, one of the issues is: can is there enough new stuff still to talk about? Well, I wasn't here when it was actually on, but I heard a lot about it actually in the UK. Does it depend a lot on how good the ads are as well in terms of what they can talk about as well as generating, you know, situations of creating their own ads? Yeah, so the the, the, the general format is there'll be a topic or a couple of topics which will sort of be illustrated by, you know, some ads from around the world. So it might just be on, you know, how how the ad industry sells health and ageing to us or something like that with some examples. But then, yeah, the, the, the impossible brief is, is one of the, the, the great things, you know, where it's, um, can you take, um, you know, can, can you take a, a, a really tough sales pitch, like, for instance, um, 100% there for the taking, which was about invading, uh, invading New Zealand. I, yeah, I, I, I think it's got another series in it. 3D TV. It's the, it's the word, it's the flavour of the month, of the year, I think. So Foxtel's Fox Sports clocked up an Australian first this week with a 3D broadcast of the Socceroos Friendly on Monday on a separate 3D channel. Um, to follow was Nine with uh, the first 3D broadcast of the State of Origin match. And SBS is going to be putting up the, the World Cup matches in 3D as well. So, Tim, the first one up with Foxtel and with Nine, was it a, a success? Well, we sort of don't know. That's half of the issue um, because it hasn't been measured. So it, this all gets a bit boring and technical, but Oztam, which is the body that, that measures it, needs effectively eight weeks' notice. So one of the things that that meant was that we didn't know when the digital channels first launched whether, you know, exactly what sort of audiences they were drawing. My guess is in the very low thousands, 5,000, well, Samsung t- 3D TV sold, I think. Mm. Now you're you're one of the 3D TV uh, owners. owners yeah. Did you actually take the trouble to watch any? Well, of I, the... I was at Sydney Social Media Club on Monday night, so I missed the the game. I was catching up in live tweets to see what what score was and everything. Then I caught the highlights afterwards. And how about um, State of Origin this week on Nine was also in 3D? Did yeah, you catch that? I don't watch rugby league. So so far <laughs> in Australia, there've been two broadcasts yep. in 3D. You're the only person I know who's taken the trouble to invest in a 3D TV. Yep. Which costs you, what, three and a half grand? Yeah, but... Yeah, but I... You get a, there's a promo Blu-ray, 3D Blu-ray player that comes with it and but stuff. But you didn't actually bother to watch the 3D broadcast. I, I, I'm going to tell you something that's even freaking you out even more. Uh, the TV's in my, my room, and uh, I don't even have an aerial attached to it. 
<laughs> I have I have Foxtel in the other room in the main room. But so you just bought it for the sake of saying I've got a 3D TV. No, no, I, I use it for movies and, t- and video games because it converts any video game or movie into 3D. So I, I play uh, like Red Dead Redemption. I'm playing at the moment. I play that in 3D. So that's a gaming. It's a gaming device rather than. A well, I'm using TV, it as gaming, so but um, yeah. and I've watched movies on it, which is you know the higher depth the movie, the, the better the 3D is type thing, and it's on the fly. Um, but no, I mean, I'll, for the World Cup, I'm 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 upgrading to IQ and putting a box in my room for the World Cup so that I can watch 3D uh, World Cup. And is the IQ? Does the IQ support recording in 3D as well? No idea yet. The reason for asking is I know that um, TiVo, which is the sort of alternative box which is, is being promoted by Seven here, is promoting itself as the best way to record 3D. So rather curiously this week they put out a press release kind of making the argument, hey, if you haven't yet bought a 3D TV, you can record the 3D broadcasts so that you can watch them <laughs> later, which... There's a bizarre press release. It presented. seemed a bit desperate to who's me. Doing, who's doing a PR for that? Uh, it's done in-house by oh. Seven, so... Uh, so yeah, who are, uh, again, we don't know quite how many TiVo units have been sold, but we guess not many. Still on TV yet again. Google's now getting in on the action, isn't it, Tim? With the launch later this year of a Google Power TV set. Yeah, this is interesting What's because I, I, well, I, I think the um, the purists would argue, hey, this isn't actually doing anything that couldn't be done already because you know anyone who is reasonably savvy and wants to can play YouTube through their telly. But I think perhaps what will make the difference is there's a couple of deals in place, um, one with Sony and the other with, um, was it Logitech? Was that the other company um, The other company involved? I think it was, who were creating the set-top box to go with it. So effectively, it's a really neat piece of navigation, um, which means that you'll easily be able to switch back and forth from looking at YouTube, surfing the web generally, or just watching traditional TV. I can do that on my my new TV as well. I mean, uh, my Samsung's got YouTube application built in, so you can just pull up any YouTube channel. I can uh, I can surf the web with it. So I think the key thing. I'm just curious yes, what the difference is. That's the thing. I, I think the key thing is 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 going to be the 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 guide, the interface, which obviously right. is what Google's developing. So it'll have a gr- a Google Chrome browser. Yep. integrated as well. So, you so still, we need a keyboard then, otherwise it's that horrible clicking left, right, and up and down with the, the Well, I suppose that's the thing, thing, isn't it? Because, it, again, isn't it this, this, the Google thing, the Apple thing, is they'll take a piece of technology that previously exists, and, you know, arguably this is Apple TV, yeah. their box, and they just make it a bit easier for non-techie people. But Apple TV can take of. a wireless keyboard. Was the new TVs be able to take a wireless keyboard, you know? I mean, one would, one would certainly expect so, yeah. you know, even if it's not well, initially. Sure, don't know yet. Absolutely. Well, it launches later this year, autumn um, northern time, which will be uh, spring our time. Um, no news yet whether it will come straight away to Australia, though. Now, with the FIFA World Cup just around the corner, the ads are coming in thick and fast. Um, one standout, certainly for me, was by Whedon and Kennedy in Amsterdam for their Nike ad, the three-minute epic. Six million views at the time of writing. It's probably up to seven by now. Um, Scott, do you like that ad? Uh, I love the ad. Well, I, I do love the ad. I mean, it's fantastic. Um, the production on it's superb. You know, I guess you gets you ready for the World Cup. On the flip side of that, I look at how much did that ad actually cost them? It's very expensive. Well, I don't, it's probably not that expensive when you weigh up, but it's just how much they're sponsoring these guys for already. And part of the contracts will already say you must appear in two ads a year or something like that for us. And they just went, right, get them all into one big basket for this. But the production values are huge. And, you know, to get 
um, like Wayne Rooney with the ginger beard hanging out of his caravan That's and quite stuff. That's funny, actually. Uh, yes, because it, it sort of follows alternative timelines. You know, first you, you've got Rooney making a pass that gets intercepted, and then he's a bozo who yeah ends up living in a caravan. Versus Rooney scores, and you've got him being knighted by the Queen. So you've got these two alternative. My question was: Do you think that straggly old bit? Do you think it was real? Uh, no. I don't think so because when we'd have seen him grow the beard over his, you know, that was during, the, game, was, during, he, during the recent bunch of games. I was going to say, does that mean you have to spend like two weeks growing that? <laughs> bit? Was that a serious question, Tim? <laughs> yeah, no, that. Um, I mean, that's <laughs> a serious question until I thought about it. And now I realise it was a naive the question. Gets you ready for the World Cup, and it, and it does uh, encapsulate what the World Cup is about. You know, you've got what 1.5 billion people around the world watching it. You know, it is the world game for all of whom reason. are thinking, "What if it's my team?" And to me, that's yeah, the well, not me because Scotland never made it through this year, but yeah. Um, and are you, now you've been in Australia for how long, Tim? About three and a half years. Are you sporting England or Australia? I'm sporting England. Yeah, I'm sporting Australia. Yeah, you know, I, I guess my question <laughs> will be: if I became a citizen, which would I cheer on? And that would become a difficult question. Really, you give up your heritage that quickly? I don't know. I don't oh, know. Interesting. Certainly, you know, I really like the plucky Socceroos to do well. I was, I, I, I was pleased they I, I staggered to a victory against New Zealand. I just can't call them the Socceroos. I think it's a horrible name. How about the plucky? How about the plucky? The, <laughs> the plucky, plucky Socceroos. Plucky, yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of World Cup-themed ads, this week we announced the winner of April's Ad of the Month competition from Umbrella. Ooh. And it was... Bah, 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 Optus. <laughs> it was Optus' <laughs> World Cup. We have very, we have very cheap uh, production budgets here. We have to do our own sound effects. <laughs> if you can call that a sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay, it was Optus for its uh, World Cup-themed ad. It was by MNC Saatchi. Yeah, this was quite a nice one, this idea that you've got a secret training camp where the players go and play football against various um, South African animals, although I wasn't aware there were tigers <laughs> in South Africa. Um, that doesn't make a difference. <laughs> but, um, but yes, it was, it, you know, it was very nicely produced, an amazing piece of uh, CGI, um, quite um, quite tightly fought battle this t- this time as well. Mm, it's a good it, was, it, was, it was in keeping with the brand. Obviously, Optus they do animals, so they had they had animals. They're a partner for the World Cup as a as a mobile partner. So yeah, it was a it, it sorry, was a good oh, ad. Sorry, a telco partner. Actually, I'm quite quite I'm liking the fact that yeah, Optus are doing this streaming direct all the, all the games to your mm. phone. I'll be uh, watching them if I in bed if I can't sleep. Oh, just. Get that app in my iPad, probably. Well, that's the thing. Four thirty AM is yeah. not um, is not an ideal time for probably for the TV networks, really, yeah. is it? So I, I've got some sympathy with SBS. It's it's good for them that they've got the content. Will they have it in another four years' time when Ten can stick it on their digital channel? Will be a different question, of course. But um, you also you were a fan of one or two of the other ads. Yeah, on the, uh... see, for me, I wouldn't have picked it. Is I, I suppose the Optus ad was good as in terms of production values. It was the obvious winner because it is World Cup fever. But for me, I really liked a TV promo on pay TV um, called Tough Nuts Crime Invest for the Crime and Investigation Network. And there's been a fair bit of anticipation about this program as well. Mm. And it was a very simple idea. Uh, it just basically showed a kid growing up. And in terms of him going, becoming an older man, and ha- it has the same voiceover of a guy talking about how he became a criminal, basically from childhood to to when he's an older, till we get when he gets older, and it was it was just very simple. It was you know it was very hard hitting, and it was well supported in the voting. Very nearly came through and won. Yeah, but didn't. I would have voted for it. I thought the Sunbeam one was crap. I liked the Sunbeam one. I, I found like myself it. humming it afterwards. Oh, really? yeah, I kept going cheery. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's I some bit more floating Muslim. irons. Great. I think yeah. the one that I disliked the most was the uh, the Motherland one for Coca Cola. Again, I the like that. Motherland is just mother. It's very. They, they call it the Motherland. I know, but Motherland sounds a bit Nazi-ish sometimes. That's why I think about when I hear yeah. Motherland. This was the this was the the, the blokey theme park yeah. with lots of fire and iron and lots stuff. of big meats to eat. From. I liked it, but it wasn't for you. That's why well, you didn't no, like but it. But the thing is, there are lots of ads that aren't for that isn't for me that I still enjoy. Doesn't matter though, does it? It wasn't for you. Well, it was I'm for just telling audience. You. It was for real men like Scott for... and myself. So you didn't like it then. So you drink mother? Nah. Don't <laughs> like the ads. <laughs> That's it for now. We have to leave. Thank you to my co-hosts, Camille Alacon. Thank you. And Scott Rohde. Thanks, Tim. And to CBS Interactive for use of their studio. Production was by Georgina Pearson. That was the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Tim Burrows. 